This is a George Sherman Media Production. episode um <clears throat> indeed it is um i guess in our little plan here we started with some introductions i'll start being uh you know the i don't know the figure outer of all this stuff so <clears throat> my name is george and what i'm going to do here is who are my teams where are my biases at kind of let the audience know what where we might be coming from <laughs> where we might be coming from so i guess you would say that i'm mostly cubs um, I'm just a fan of baseball. I more follow guys. Like I grew up like in CC and all that because he was a stud. Um, first should be first ballot Hall of Famer, but Hall of Fame talk is for another episode. <laughs> um, who are my guys? Uh, Judge Stanton because CC was on the team. Uh, I think that's a oh. <laughs> the big bastard. Come on. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm feeling like an idiot. Lance Lynn for sure. That's. I'll die for that man. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll open it up. We'll go ahead and give it mic over to Eric. Uh, yeah, I'm Eric. Um, as you can see, I'm a I'm a Sox fan or Los White Sox. If um, we ever get any Spanish listeners, which I doubt it, but you know who knows. Um, <laughs> I have a very clear bias toward the White Sox. Um, Tim Anderson. I have his bobblehead here. That's my guy. The little bat toss. Come on now. Um, but non-White Sox that I'm a fan of, um, I really like Adley Rushman. I think a switch hitting catcher is dope, and he's young, and he's really good. Um, I like Julio Rodriguez because how do you not like Julio? You know what I mean? Um, in terms of some dark horses, uh, weirdly enough, uh, Eugenio Suarez is kind of my guy. Uh, I have a Dynasty Fantasy Baseball League team, and he had like 30 homers for me last year, and he's got cool hair. And I like the Mariners, so Gino Suarez, my guy. I also like Yoshida on the Red Sox because I want to see Japanese players do well after the WBC. Yeah, Eugenio is a very good MLB pickle pick. Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Steven, I guess that leaves me. Uh, my name is Steven. Uh, I am a Cubs fan. Um, I feel like, unlike you two, I didn't grow up you know, as a baseball fan, I'm kind of newer onto the scene. I, I would say I got more into baseball around, you know, the 28, 2016, 2015, you know, when the Cubs are actually good. So you can say maybe I'm a little bit of bandwagon, but um, some of my favorite players are um, Dansby Swanson before he actually became a Cub. I followed him uh, when he was on the Atlanta Braves, when he was just called up. So he's always been a nice one that I liked. Um, you know, I've always been big on Cody Bellinger again before he was a Cub. Um, Corey Seager, I really like the you know the left-handed uh, uh, batters because I like using them in the show, and so I always watch them. Coming from the only non-lefty in here, by the way. That's right, right, right. Yeah, that's true. That is <laughs> different perspective. Very different rare. Perspective. Yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah, those are two of the, yeah. some of the guys I like. Um, like Eric, I like Adley Rushman. I think he's a phenomenal young kid. I think he's going to be a beast. Yeah. 
I love if we're calling guys kids. I think what are we the same age? I as think he's literally our age. Yeah. No, but it's you know you're watching Juan Soto. He can't even take a drink yet, and he's hitting oh, yeah. in the World oh, Series. Yeah, like, yeah. Ever, you know, I'm you know 24, and we're all the same age. It's like every like, like prospect who gets called up now <laughs> is like older than Juan Soto. It's crazy. Like I saw yeah. someone got called up, and I think Adley Rushman is like eight months older than Juan Soto. Like, as good as Adley is and as young as he is, it's like Juan Soto's been doing it for, like, four or five years, and he's still only 24. It's ridiculous. No, it's in, it's, <laughs> that's why he's going to get half a billion dollars. Yeah. So, but speaking of guys who are paid too much, um, Anthony Rendon was in the news this week for some bad news. Just hot off the presses, five-game suspense, which he is appealing. Um, initial reactions to that are, as always, like, a because apparently... <clears throat> this was in uh, Oakland, and you can understand maybe why his frustration is just being there in general. Yeah, At, me and me and Eric had this argument. He thinks they're the worst franchise. Um, I don't technically agree because I think their direction is clear. But regardless, the direction um, is losing. Yes, <laughs> that's their direction. Regardless, not against the A's <laughs> or not against the Angels because they won that game. So, but that is true. It sounds like the fan was jawing at him, and then Anthony Rendon took exception to him. He probably got in his face and then just grabs him, swipes him, tries to swipe his cap off, and not a good look. Something you can't really do um, unjustified. Um, usually in Boston, that's fair because Boston is basically British people, and British people um, tend to say some pretty racist things because, <laughs> yeah. you know, like big sports fans. But, yeah, that not a good look for Rendon and not a good start to the year for the Angels. Yeah, man. I mean, Rendon is a veteran player. I mean, I get that people are idiots sometimes and that fan probably shouldn't be all up in his face. But as a guy who's been in the league for quite some time, you know, World Series champion, you just can't lose your cool like that. I mean, I get it. You got under your skin, but. I mean, also his play has not been good, so yeah. he probably got what he deserved, <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, my take is that he definitely heard this guy because there's, like, six people in the Oakland Coliseum, so, you know, it, it was like watching games during COVID, you know, when, like, someone hit a homer and all the players would just be like, yeah, and that's all you'd hear. Like, that's how every game is in Oakland, you know? It was, like, four fans no, in the crowd, me. and this guy's like, you're a bitch, and he's like, what... Me? You know? And so... She's like, what me for? Yeah, what is he like me for, you know? Um, I don't think he probably should have grabbed the guy and, you know, tried to fight him. Had a, a malice at the Coliseum kind of situation there. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I Like, he should... It was wrong. Anthony Rendon shouldn't have done that. But also, like, if you're a fan going to a game, like, you can't call a guy a bitch, like, to his face. Because if you saw Anthony Rendon not on the stadium, if you saw Anthony Rendon walking down the street, you think that guy would have been like, hey, Anthony Rendon, you're a bitch. Like, no, <laughs> he, he wouldn't have. He would have been like, you know, oh, my God, Anthony Rendon, can I have your autograph? So, like, I just think it's kind of lame from the fan. But also, like like Steven said, I mean, Rendon's a veteran. You know, I'm sure this isn't the first time he's been chirped in his career. Um, so he probably should have reacted better than that. But from that guy's perspective, imagine getting like punched in the front of Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. Like, I think I would die. You know, they both walk by yeah, like during yeah. the video. You could see them both. It's like, imagine you're that guy. And that's Mike Trout and Shohei Otani's impression of you is the guy that was talking so much shit that their teammate wanted to punch him. So I think it's a bad look all around. Um, I think five games is pretty consistent with what MLB does in terms of like player fan interactions. 
Um, like I saw Michael uh, Milton Bradley was the guy who in like 2005 got suspended like six games for throwing a drink at a fan or something like that. Um, and so yeah, pretty much any time there's like a player fan interaction, MLB is always going to act and, and suspend the player. So I think that's fair. It'll be interesting to see if he wins his appeal. I'm guessing he won't be like not suspended, but it might go down. You know, maybe four or three games instead. Um, but yeah, don't call players bitches to their face because they're real people, not just you know players on the show. Um, and Anthony Rendon shouldn't assault these people either. So I think everyone's kind of in the wrong here. No, yeah, um, for sure. I mean, yeah. kind of siding with Anthony Rendon uh, when he was kind of grabbing him by the shirt. You can see he was kind of scared. He's like, no, I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. Like, he's <laughs> yeah, got to own up to it at that point. Like, well, yeah. no, I didn't do it. He's yeah. got to own up to that point, you know? It's just like, right. Yeah, I mean, at that point, like, if someone, you know, grabs me it's just like okay it's either this is a viral moment or dollar signs you know this, like, right true that guy's worried about especially the cash, anthony rendon's contract yeah. Yeah. yeah he's it's like, like let me get you may as well just lean contract. into it because if they punch you it's like it's a bag they're that's a bag that's yeah not even <laughs> a, even if you sue them that's 40 games if you like solid contact mm-hmm. i but, would um, yeah i would look like uh you know, that guy from Jersey Shore when he's wearing the neck brace? That's how I'd show up if a player, like, grabbed me and went to punch me. I'd be the just, most injured man you'd ever see the next day. Be like, I'm never Prince Fielder in his retirement. Just <laughs> yeah, with a big Terrible neck joke. But <laughs> it was super sad, but, you know, just... Yeah. That'd be me if I got punched by a, a multi-millionaire like Anthony Rendon. <laughs> very true, very true. Awesome. Well, first weekend um, came and went. There are some obvious clear guys who did well. Um, we'll kind of start off here with Dansby Swanson. Got to see him in the flesh. Got to see that flow in the flesh. Definitely, I mean, I'm ruining myself with these Cubs games I'm going to. We happen to go to the Catalina Club, and for those listening who don't know what that is, it's um, all-inclusive uh, seating, like, 316. I'm not rich. <laughs> it was a cold, windy, rainy day, so... You snipe them on StubHub, and then you just, I get to walk, you know, 10 minutes to the game. So, um, but I'm ruined that way because, you know, you got drinks and hot dogs and all this stuff. You can just go pluck at it. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just amazing. But even better than that was Dansby Dansby Swanson's 7 and 12 start, 7 for 12 start this year. Only one double. He's doing a lot of Nick Madrigal type stuff, just hitting singles. But no strikeouts in 13 at plate appearances, which is uh, unheard of for the Major League Baseball. So he's seeing it well, which is exciting. It's just if everyone else could kind of follow suit and the defense. But, um, you know, Steven, you said you like him. How are we feeling about his uh, hot start? I mean, as a Danzy Swanson fan, I know that he's a very streaky player. You know, he'll have these on and off moments. So, like right now, he could be hot, but then, you know, in the next couple of weeks, he could be cold. But uh, as a Cubs, it's kind of like the Braves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but as a Cubs fan, um, I'm loving it. I think uh, he's a great player for our team. Uh, like you said, strikeout, no strikeouts, which is insane for him. Um, so that's interesting. But, you know, as a guy who's slotted second in the lineup, that's all you want from him, you know, is to get those hits. And like you said, you want the guys kind of following him to, uh, you know, get those uh, runs batted in. Um I'm watching the game live right here. Cody Bellinger hit a three-run homer this game. So, sure did. There he is. Dude. He sure did. We didn't get to. <laughs> we weren't ready to record early on, but that's my pick to click. 280, 35 bombs. I've said it here now. 
If he hits 280 with 35 bombs, I, I think, like, hell might freeze. Like, that is not Cody Bellinger these days. That was Cody yeah, but Bellinger. it's a contract year. And I know last year was a contract was, year, but he's, yeah. he's coming off. He's out of L.A. I mean, you know, this is smaller. Is, it's definitely easier to hit home runs in Chicago and in March than it is in L.A. So This is his fourth you know, game. This is his fourth game, and that was his first hit. That was his first hit. So yeah. 280 might be uh, looking a little rough, but. We're hoping. We're hey, hoping. You know, listen. The shift is gone. I feel like Bellinger is a guy who is going to benefit from that. Although I think that about yeah. literally every left-handed hitter. Like, I'm like, if you're a left-handed hitter, I'm like, yeah, they're going to have a better batting average this year without the shift, and it's probably true. I mean, like, you know, Jock Peterson, Yasmani Grandal, all these guys. I'm like, they're going to hit so much better without the shift there. You know, um, especially the slow guys like Yasmani Grandal. Um, but but back to Dansby Swanson. I mean. They just built Steven's dream team over on the north side. Um, I'm kind of jealous that they just brought in all his favorite players. Um, it's like he was running the team. Um, but Dansby, like you said, I mean, that's a really strong first weekend. And something that you didn't bring up when you talked about how he didn't strike out. Multiple of those bats were against Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, True. who are two of the best strikeout pitchers in the league. I mean, to not strike out at all against those guys is really impressive. Um it's a lot of singles, but I mean, putting the bat on the ball is never a bad thing. Uh, and like Steven said, hitting number two, you know, that's exactly what you want in the lineup. Um, the question just becomes, you know, who behind him is going to step up and, and drive him in because he can get on base all he wants. But if you don't have that production from the middle of your order like that, like it's kind of all for naught. Um, not all for naught, you know, because you scored some runs this weekend, but you need to, someone needs to step up behind him and, and establish him as that protection because, you know, he's this really. Yeah rich player but you know you got to score some runs it can't just be him yeah i know it uh, seeing these first couple games being like that real scoring run scrappy and all that it reminds me of some teams i've played on before and it's uh those aren't always fun <laughs> you know you just like some you know three run bomb guys shooting gaps but you know if we want to be that scrappy hit doubles or you know hit singles steal bases all that you know it's a it's a fun brand of baseball to watch. Cleveland won a division can last be year doing right. that. Like, like Cleveland? Very true. Although as a Sox fan, I can say that is not fun to watch when it's a team that you're actively rooting against. It is the most frustrating thing to watch. We also had, used to have the Royals back in, like, you know, when they were winning World Series in 2015. It was the same thing. Bloop singles, yeah. steals, sack flies, sack bunts. It is, again, I'm sure it's fun to watch if you're a fan of that team. If you're a fan of a rival of that team, it is the most frustrating brand of baseball to watch. Because you're like, they can't keep getting away with it. They can't keep getting away with it. It's Jesse <laughs> they can't Pinkman. keep getting away with it. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I'm assuming as a Cubs fan it's fun to watch, but also I'm sure you're sometimes like, can we just hit a three-run homer instead? I feel like that's a lot easier. Um, oh, yeah. No, when it when it's not going right, then it's <laughs> yeah. like yesterday, like Saturday it was. And granted, nobody scored that day. There was, you know, just the Brewers got in a bases loaded, you know, situation, and then, you know, they scrap across, like, I believe three runs, so. Speaking of the Brewers, ended. did you see that today they in their home opener they did a flyover with the roof closed? <laughs> did they actually? They had like planes. <laughs> they had planes fly over their stadium and they closed the roof. Oh man! Yeah. Only in Milwaukee. That is a very Milwaukee thing. I feel like that's a cheap owner. I thing. mean, I've seen that for <laughs> Super Bowls and stuff. I think like you know they do the flyover over. <laughs> I think Arizona or whatever, which is always a bit odd. But I mean, it wasn't probably wasn't a nationally televised game, so it's no. not like there's like an off actor. I yeah, the people of Wisconsin were probably, you know, <laughs> real jazzed up about it. But. I will say after a flyover is electric. Like if you're there, you know, oh, yeah. and like it gets going over you and you're just like, 
oh, all right, I'm ready. Let's play some baseball or football 100%. or whatever, you know. But when the roof is closed, it kind of loses it kind of loses that effect a little bit. Yeah, you're just like <laughs> you're like what's, what's that? Going, oh, <laughs> is there an it's earthquake? shaking everywhere. <laughs> but funny enough, earlier a bit earlier, you brought up the White Sox. There's some good and some bad it's today. Some yeah, bad. you know, <laughs> today I wasn't so good. The White Sox down before I saw the score of the game. I'll take my medicine uh, today. <laughs> it wasn't great. So we'll uh, <laughs> we'll was... talk about the weekend. This is meant to be about yeah. the opening weekend. So. I mean, I think strong, strong, you know, if you told me as a White Sox, I was going to say as a White Sox fan, as if I turned into that, you know, like if I was John Cusack, mm. I would be uh, happy with a 2-2 two and two opening weekend in Houston yeah. against the defending champs. I was champs. not excited about opening up against Houston because they're the defending champs and they're ridiculously good. And if you, t- yeah, like you said, if you told me 2-2, two and two, I would take it. And there was a lot of stuff coming from that series that really gave me uh, a positive encouragement because I was telling Steven all offseason, I was like, the biggest key to the White Sox being better this year is the guys, the core guys who were awful in 2022 needing a bounce back this year. And that was guys like Yoan Moncada and Yasmani Grandal and Luis Robert. And all those guys, especially Moncada, had a huge weekend in that opening weekend. I mean, Moncada played for Cuba in the WBC and like was on the team of the tournament. Like He had a great tournament. And he has carried that over into the regular season. Um, he's wearing neon green shoes to start the season and he has a green grip on his bat, too. Um, so... I did that when I was like six, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> yeah, but you're not getting paid millions like on is so he can do whatever he wants. I did think. You, um, um, but, did you see? Um, but especially when he's hitting as well as he is. Did you see that? Um, they're kind of on Twitter and everywhere. They're coming with a thing where it's like every odd year, Yoan Mankata takes off. Yeah, <laughs> true, true. People forget yeah. 2019 Mankata was unbelievable. Like that was right before the rebuild like shifted from like you know oh a couple prospects are up to like okay we're like actually starting to compete that was like the in-between season sort of there and Moncada was like got an MVP vote that season which I mean it's a little crazy but like he was that good you know he was that good just on an awful team but if he can show some of that potential that number one overall prospect potential like when we traded for him you know the the main return in a Chris Sale trade um who we talk about Chris Sale later but um (laughs) Oh, I mean, that's a dope. That's White Sox, regardless, yeah. they won that trade. I don't know, because the Red Sox the won guy a World slices Series. up jerseys. I will say the Red Sox won a World Series and Sale closed it out. So, in that sense, that is for, I guess I'd say it's true, a win-win, because, yeah. you know, Kopech and Moncada are obviously a big part of what we're trying to do, but we haven't actually really done anything Except yet. Except today. Except today, yeah. <laughs> that didn't happen. What do you mean? Um, but Sale closed out a World Series for the Red Sox. So in that sense, you could be like, yeah, he won. But ever since that uh, 2018 season, it's not been great for Chris Sale, which I like Chris Sale, so that's sad to see. But, yeah, Moncada showing that number one overall prospect potential again is a, is a big development for the White Sox. Um, and I think we're really a team that goes on vibes, you know. Um, they've kind of been a vibe team since Ricky Renteria was the manager. And Ricky Renteria... Wasn't a great baseball manager, but he was a great vibes guy, you know? Um, and then the next he's manager... Like the, he's the babysitter when yeah, right. they he, thought, you he know, watches Tony the was going to be like yeah. the let's win. But the problem with Tony and, is Tony is not a vibes guy. <laughs> Tony's an anti-vibes guy. Like, he's the opposite of what I would call... Like, you bring in this 80-whatever, 78-year-old man who's like, you know, three DUIs in and falling asleep on the bench. It's like, it's going to kill all the the positive energy that these young, like, energetic players have, you know? So, yeah, if it's Pedro like imagine, Griffel, you know, 
Yeah. Like your grandparents just looking, you know, Literally. phones or whatever. Right. I'm always, I never have my phone out in in front of my uh, mm. late grandpa because it was just like, I don't know, it's just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. not what you do there, you know? No, no. And he's like got people bat flipping and stuff. You'd get a bean ball yeah. if that happened to you. <laughs> Quick plug. But <laughs> yeah, back in his day, that was not going to fly. So he's probably just like. Although know, he did manage Jose Canseco. Mu- so I just think. Time has kind of passed him by because, yeah, he probably had to let some stuff fly with managing and Ricky Henderson. You know, there was some personalities back in the eighties, but that was also the eighties. Like a good ten years <laughs> before all of us were born. You know, um, yeah. So it's like and... he he was a great manager. I'm not arguing that. Like his history, he's in the Hall of Fame from his time managing. But then they brought him back out of retirement. He had already retired, <laughs> gone to the Hall. Why did you bring him back? Like. Jerry Reinsdorf deserves to be... Well, because, you know, Jerry Reinsdorf is like, oh, I felt bad and I think I owed him some, you know. He had to bring back his drinking buddy. You know, he needed, Jerry, he needed yeah. somebody to share a beer with. Or seven, but... <laughs> but hopefully yeah. Pedro... Jerry Rein, he was probably with Jerry Reinsdorf the day he got caught in the DUI, and yeah. he's like... They were dragging. Jerry Reinsdorf was like, dude, you're good. And he's <laughs> like, uh, well, you owe me one now. And, yeah, he sure gave him that one that he owed him, which was last season when he should have fired him in May and let him, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, walk away for health reasons instead of just firing his ass. But yeah, what are you going to do? Hopefully that, the new guy brings kept... in that energy we need and uh, Pedro Griffol is the manager that, that gets the vibes back because we need the vibes. We're a vibes-based team, you know? And yeah, so no, and I've heard, like, you know, I know they signed Benintendi and there were some other good signings here and there. Mm. And But I've, you know, had the question. And I guess you as the Sox guy, how were – like when I've had the question posed to me about, is it really like can the big this big of a difference be made with Benintendi and a manager? Yes, and here's why: because the addition, the bringing in a Benintendi, it takes Andrew Vaughn out of left field. <laughs> it takes first baseman out of the. It outfield. takes first yeah, baseman out of the outfield, and the other thing is Oscar Colas coming up, who's an actual outfielder. And it, I don't know if you've seen his. Hi- I mean, I'm sure you've seen some of his highlights, but Luis Robert in the last three games has made three of the best catches a center fielder has made this year. Like this dude is going to win a platinum glove this year. Like he's going to be the best defender in baseball because he doesn't have two fat first baseman on either side of him who can't play the outfield and he doesn't have to cover from like deep left center to deep right center he can just cover a normal center fielder like route and Andrew Benatendi is a gold glove winning left fielder Oscar Colas is an outfielder which already makes him better than you know Gavin Sheets and and Andrew Vaughn ever were Um, so it's probably not enough because I think again the lineup is it still has some question marks and it really hinges on guys having bounce back seasons, you know, like it's, they didn't bring in a lot. They are kind of just relying on their guys who are bad last year to be good this year. Um, so that's where it's like, I don't know if that's going to be enough, but the, the, looking at it optimistically here, because it's the hope that kills you, but I do it anyway. Um, pretty much everything went wrong with the stocks last year, bad vibes, injuries, underperformance, and they still finished 81 and 81. So like you eliminate, a couple of those injuries, you get some better vibes in there, you get some bounce back performances. I'm hoping they can win around 90 games. Like if everything goes right, I'm hoping they can win around 90 games. I'm hoping they can win the division. I think people are kind of overrating the twins. I mean, I know they swept the, was it the Royals this weekend? But like the Royals suck. Like, let's be real. Um, they didn't score till Sunday. They went two games without scoring a run. It took them 20 innings to score their first run of the season. So like, let's pump the brakes on the twins is my point. I like, I like Joey Gallo, and I think he'll be another guy who benefits from, you know, not having the shift, but they traded away a rise for 
Lopez, who pitched well in his debut, but it was also the Royals. Um, and I just, I don't see it with them. And I think the Sox have a lot more talent. And so hopefully they put it together this year. And if they do, then we'll be back in the playoffs. We'll be back to having playoff games at 35th and Shields, um, which, as everyone saw in 2021, were electric. Um, even though the second one that we went to, me and Steven, didn't go so great. Um <laughs> That first one did. That was awesome. But I just want to get back to the playoffs because I'm a 23-year-old White Sox fan who's seen my team in the playoffs three times. Um, well, if you don't count the COVID season. You know, once when we won the World Series in 2005. No, yeah. yeah, I mean, let's be real. <laughs> yeah, um, the Dodgers World Series like, doesn't count Mickey even. Mouse. Mickey Mouse ring. <laughs> Mickey Mouse ring. Yeah. So I went from 20, 2008 to 2021 without seeing the Sox in the playoffs. Like, I just want them to be there. I don't, like, I obviously care how they do in the playoffs, and I want them to win win the World Series, but, like, I'm realistic. We're probably not going to win the World... Like, we're not going to win the World Series this year. I'm just going to say... Oh, neither are the Cubs. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I just want to see playoff games. I want us to win, like, a series. You know? I don't know. I feel like it's not too much to ask, but we'll see. We'll see. I just want to not be depressed by the team like I was last year. Um, I would hope for better production and better continuity from game to game um, from the team. Uh, so, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just, you know, I hope that... Uh, the guys who are starting off the season strong stay starting off the season strong. And, um, you know, hopefully Colas takes that leap as a rookie. Or not a leap, but, like, is consistent. Vaughn hopefully is better when he doesn't have to play the outfield. Um, you know, guys stay healthy. It's a lot of ifs. That's that's the thing I'll say. It is a lot of yeah, hypotheticals. They're, they're the new Giants. They're the new <laughs> 2022 Giants. Yeah. yeah. Or 20, one, whichever. 20, whenever they won, like, 107 games out of nowhere. I think that was just last no, year, 21. wasn't it? No, it was two 21. years ago. Yeah. The Giants uh, joined us in that's 81 crazy. and 81 last year. They, right, they yeah. in that mediocre squad. <laughs> yeah, they went back to um, the Giants. normal. But, yeah. yeah. So, like, we'll seven homers inverse. today, The though. 81 and 81 Sox will mm. now become the 108-win Sox. There you go. There you go. Perfect. Um, <laughs> but I heard you mention this uh, prior. The rule changes, obviously, and all the ads that MLB put out, one with Sebastian Maniscalco, have been exciting. Brian um, Cranston. Seeing, going through them, obviously, I saw some reports, I think, opening day last year, there was two stolen bases, or at least attempts. Mm-hmm. And then at the time of that tweet, there was 21. So clearly there's a difference. So yep. I guess we'll start with that. Kind of loop the pitching rule changes with the shift and all that. But starting with that, I wasn't a big fan of the pickoff um, restrictions. I didn't think that was, like, the problem. The disengagement. Because I think it's such an anomaly. Maybe there's issue like, you know, when they're picking off to let a guy warm up or anything. But I didn't think that was the problem. You know, you're saving, like, the two, three-in-a-row pickoff attempt happens maybe once a game, and it's a minute. But um, overall... What are your thoughts on kind of that angle? Well, what was what was the pickoff thing again? Sorry. They can so only do two I believe that. No. Okay, so every other like step and and it's not even pickoffs. It's literally like they call it disengagement. So it's not even just pickoffs. It's even stepping off the mound. You can only step off the mound twice during um and at bat to either pick off or just collect your thoughts or whatever. And twice in a bat. I mean, I mean, there's just two two sides to it in my opinion like i mean one obviously as george mentioned more stolen bases means more action which means more fans you know who are not super into baseball you know they see all this crazy and cool you know stealing bases you know people like that and so from that perspective you know it's nice but you know as someone who's probably 
an older fan in baseball, you know, they like the strategy that comes off to it, you know, kind of like the mental aspect of the game where, you know, am I going to pick you off? Am I not? You know, and like, uh, you know, as a Cubs fan, John Lester is someone who, you know, always struggled. He would never he was always no. struggling he that, never so <laughs> I'm sure you'll like the rules now. So, yeah. As a, uh, as an old Mark Burley fan, I would love to see him with these rules though. Cause that dude was a master of the pickoff. Um, I literally think he had the most ever, maybe him or like Andy Pettit had the most ever for a starting pitcher. Um, so I'd love to see how he would do, you know, with only two tries per, per batter. Um, but we definitely are seeing a lot more steals. And I do think it is exciting, but also I think it might be a bit of an overcorrection. Like, in my opinion, I think, like, I don't want to say you can have too many stolen bases, but like, not only is the volume going up, but also the success rates going up. Because, you know, if they use the two disengagements or pickoffs or whatever, like they can basically get a running start and it's a, like almost a guaranteed steal. So it's like, are, are we, this is a cool rule change and stolen bases are exciting, but like, it, it, is it almost swing too much that way where it's like, everyone's just going to steal every base now, you know? And like, it's never catchers won't have a shot and all this kind of stuff where it's like, it's just stolen bases all the time, which if that's what MLB wants, like that's what they're going to get. Um, but I think it could be, I think they should find like a middle ground because there were like, yeah. it was like half a stolen base attempt per game. Um, like last year and this year it was like triple that like i saw it was like 1.5 a game kind of thing so it's like i think you got to sort of settle somewhere in the middle i think it's now too easy for base dealers but you know again i think that's what mlb wants they want more action yeah um, i think that's like yeah it's an overall i feel like theme like with the pitch mm-hmm. clock was i was like 15 because when i was there at the i remember the first time i really was like oh my god because i was watching the wbc because i'm not watching spring training but um I was watching the WBC, didn't have it. And to be honest, when Trout and Otani are playing together, take as long as you want. But um, when I saw, I was watching the Sox game, and then I watched, obviously, the Cubs game, and I was like, this is like, you know, really, you know, you're getting after it. And uh, I thought 15 was a bit fast. But to your point, they're kind of like, there's no, like, easing into this. There's no, like, foreplay associated with Rob Manfred. He's just... Bam, yeah. 15 tw- seconds, on, and at the Cubs game, there was one called, and it's <clears throat> real simple, just time, clock, ball, or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's a bit, like, it's a bit awkward, because it's, like, in terms yeah. of in the stadium, like, when you're watching it on TV, they'll announce that, but um, I'm sure if they could, like, somehow communicate it, like ball called or whatever like that. Otherwise it's just some awkward pause, which is kind of what they're intending anyway. But you know, I'm sure for more casuals at the game and in Chicago and in Wrigley field, there are a lot of casuals. Um, if someone just gets a random walk, they're just like, uh, what what happened there? How do you, how do you feel about, you know, the pitch clock and then how like time moves so fast in like live. So like on TV, I see like, the pitch clock rule more for people watching on TV where it's just like, you want to get it quick and then get it done. Like, you know, so a baseball fan going to a live ballpark, part of the experience is staying there for like a long time, enjoying, you know, the time there. So I, I guess from your perspective, you being at the game, like how did that feel? Yeah. Um, I'd say it definitely sped it up and you're conscious of like, wow, it's already the fifth inning that said, you know, that game was going to be two out like with no pitch clock that's still probably at most a 245 2 hour 45 minute game cuz there was no offense 
Like, I remember Sunday Night Baseball last year. The Yankees got shut out in, like, an hour 59 <laughs> by, like, the Red Sox or something. It was <laughs> terrible showing by them. So it's still possible to have that short. And I don't think the pitch clock shortened that game too much. But it definitely, like, you're more conscious of it. But overall, I you know, I wasn't feeling like I was getting, like, screwed over by uh, these new rules. I think, you know, there's definitely a logistics, like, you know, vendors and people selling hot dogs and stuff mm-hmm. like i'm sure there's gonna be you know a you know, a bad side of this because you're losing it's like a bar closing you an know. hour earlier you're losing mm-hmm. sure is you know x amount of sales and especially late game sales and they cut people off like during and all this they cut people off like during the seventh yep. right it's like the se- middle of the yep. seventh is when they cut people mm-hmm. off so it's like that's yeah even, for like yeah. an hour yeah. and a half an that's hour 45 quick, drinking yeah. I think the MLB, and that always happened, but it's getting to the seventh now. Is, <laughs> it used to be yeah, two and a half hours in. Now it's an hour forty-five in. You know that's the difference. Yeah. Um, I think what they should do, what like teams should do to counteract that, I think they should open the stadiums a little earlier. You know, the, for now they don't let people in to like see. At least I don't know what, uh, how the Cubs do, but with the White Sox, like you, you can't get in for the White Sox batting practice. You can get in like an hour and a half before the game to see the other team's batting practice. Just open it up two hours before the game. Let them see home batting practice, and you can start beer sales. You know, you can kind of make up for the time you lose at the end of the day by getting in at the beginning of the day. But like from my first weekend, just watching again on TV, I have liked the pitch clock. I mean, like. Baseball games, like, I love watching baseball, and, like, they're, you know, I, I watch most of the 162 Sox games on the season, um, but, like, I'm still going to watch no matter how long it is, and so, since I'm going to watch 160, like, that's so many games, you know, and yeah. so it's like, if they're a little bit shorter, I'm not I'm not one to complain, like, I, I, I am down for that, um, I haven't noticed it, like, I, I think it'll take about a month for people to, like, for the violations to stop. I think people get used to it. I think they'll develop a new routine, you know, with, to incorporate the clock and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then by, you know, May 1st, we won't see any more pitch clock violations or they'll be, you know, super rare. The thing I will say is I hope that, like, for high leverage moments, like the playoffs, they, like, modify it a little bit. Like, I don't think you could take it away because then we'll just go back to four-hour playoff games, which are kind of ridiculous. Um, but, like, add an extra five seconds. You know what I mean? Like, but do 20 seconds with the base is empty, 25 with the runner on, whereas it's 15 Something and like 20. That. I agree. Yeah. Because like those high level situations, to... you don't want it to be decided by, because the batter's not ready yeah. in time. You know what I mean? Like that's not how you want yeah, to I mean like that end. spring training yeah, game yeah. where they had the bases yep. loaded and mm-hmm. obviously, you know, spring training, who cares? They were probably like, Ooh, game over. Nice. <laughs> but like, let's go, you know, let's go hit the links. you just don't want, you know, like a show, imagine, well, obviously this is in a parallel universe, but like Shohei and Trout facing off, you know, on a pivotal, you know, Sunday night baseball or in the playoffs. I don't know if that's ever going to happen for Trout, but regardless, you know, some situation that's like the game at its best stage. Like, like imagine climax. that being, imagine that being, yeah, he Trout's out, game yeah. over, nah. you know, like. You got to have a feel for the moment. You, you can you can enforce it like you know give me like a Reds Pirates game in August yeah sure enforce the pitch clock yeah like, ten second pitch clock <laughs> right. yeah. give me three seconds on that like you got to get it and throw it <laughs> <laughs> imagine <try> it just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
some Nestor Cortez. Um, but I would love to see a three second pitch clock game. That'd be basically be Nestor electric. Cortez. That would just... be electric. It'd be like that uh, that Bugs Bunny meme or gif where he's just throwing oh. the ball, you know, and all the guys are just swinging and missing. That'd be the three second pitch clock game. But like, if it's a if it's a Sunday night baseball game, or if it's a you know if it's an October game, if it's a wild card game or something like that, like I. I, I think you can be like you just gotta like choo- pick and choose when to enforce it. Like in the NBA, like for example, they never call three second violations, or they never call like there's a lot of rules that they just like don't call because like it it happens all too often. Or there's like some if it's feel a big moment, and yeah, you just gotta have a feel for it. That's all it is. But my like my concern, my worry is um, umpires like to make the game about themselves. <laughs> um, some of them at least, not all of them. I won't say all of them. Um, shout out Pat Hobart, good umpire, uh, but. Uh, you know, I'm afraid that like, you know, it's going to be a pivotal, uh, uh, late September game. That's going to decide, you know, the NL East, let's say between the Braves and the, the Mets or whatever. And Angel Hernandez is calling the game and it's the ninth inning and like, you know, Pete he's calling up. the pitch clock at two for sure. Yeah. And he's, he's like, like, Angel, I had three seconds like, left. Oh, they haven't thought about Angel in a while. Let's, uh, let's, let's change that. You know, it's just like time, <laughs> time, time, you're out, you know? And so I feel like he'll just have no feel for it or he'll have a feel for it and want to make it about him. You know, maybe not him in particular, yeah. but like probably him in particular. Luckily, yeah. Luckily with the pitch clock, it's kind of like, it's zero. I call time. It's very you black know? and white. Yeah. There's not a lot of room for yeah. grit. It's not right all now. Area. That's how we feel about right. it. The strike zone's True. supposed to kind of be black and white, but you did know. you see? Uh, did you see that the Guardians fans, not the Guardians, the Mariners fans were counting down the pitch clock when the other team was going? Like the whole crowd was oh. going like five, four, three, two, one, which is awesome. That'd be rough. That's awesome. That's and like, I think more fan bases like, are going to start doing that. <laughs> it's like oh, a shock. If they clock implement or that in co- if they implement that in college, imagine getting. Going to A and M, ball yeah. five, and then they're also counting down, <laughs> counting like down Miss, you the know, pitch clock. It's the over. Yeah, yeah. I just that's just mega yips. I never <laughs> had the yips, but they would appear if that happened. Yeah, that's a big thing with the pitch clock. It's like if a pitcher's struggling or like he can't find the zone, he can't like walk around the mound for a little bit and like collect his thoughts or like take a deep breath or whatever. Like if you're struggling, you just gotta like keep going. And I think that's gonna screw over some guys who aren't as like you know, who aren't as, as sound or I guess, or like composed, but yeah, between the years. Yeah. For other guys, like it could be a big advantage. Like I saw a Yankees fan talking about Garrett Cole and they were saying they they like to pitch clock for him because it gives him less time to get in his own head, you know, to think about what he's going to do next. He just gets the ball and he, Pete's sake. (laughs) Yeah. For Pete's sake. You know, he just gets the, he's like, okay, Jose, I'll throw the fastball now, you know? And, and so he just gets it and throws his beautiful, you know, 101 mile an hour fastball right on the black, you know, instead of like, you know, taking 35 seconds to, uh, you know, be like, am I going to get this guy out? Where is this pitch going to go? What will be the best pitch? Yeah, just, at the boom, end of the day, you throw one on one, Garrett. Like, <laughs> right, throw it. Throw that. Why C's had a, such a dominant performance because he didn't have time to think. It's exactly why C's. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly why C's had such a dominant performance. He was like, you know, I'm getting the ball. I'm throwing it. Nasty, 88 slider on the black. Like, see it, Kyle Tucker. So, I think it, it'll have its 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 advantages and its disadvantages. I think there'll be like a lot of unique situations when it comes to it since it's the first season of it. You know, I think there'll be like, I don't know, players manipulating it or players using it to their advantage or that kind of thing. I think guys will try yeah. and sort of, you know, start to play around with it and, and see what helps them and what gives them an advantage over hitters. I think Max Scherzer was the one who was talking about that. Yeah, he luckily was... they implemented a rule because that would have been terrible to watch. <laughs> yeah, true. True. Um, but yeah, Scherzer, I think, was pitching in a spring training game. And he was like, no, I can see how I can use this to my advantage now. You know, I can just uh, throw the ball and 
change the hitter's timing because he doesn't, you know, he's got to go so quickly. And like by the time he gets set, I'm already, the ball's already past him. So I, I think the more savvy guys will, will use it to their advantage. But I also definitely think it'll throw some people off. But I think it's good for baseball. I think a, yeah. a lot of the uh, drawbacks that casual baseball fans had is that the games are so long and there's a lot of downtime. Which is true. I mean, if you watch a game like from last year and compare it to a game from this year, it's just such a crisper pace. I mean, that video of Pedro Baez throwing that pitch to David Ross goes viral, you know, keeps going viral because it's like, here's a whole inning compared to this one pitch he threw. And that's obviously an extreme example of that Pedro Baez thing, but. there he's were a who, lot he's of who we're going after. <laughs> right, right, exactly. That's he's, who we're trying to This pick. is an anti-Pedro bias <laughs> rule. Um, yeah, and Kenley Jansen. And Kenley Jansen, yep. He was the slowest pitcher in the league. Um, so I, I think, you know, I think the extremes will be gone, which is good. Uh, but I, I, like I said, I think people get used to it, and I think people will get accustomed to it. And we won't, we'll forget it's even there, honestly, probably by June. That's my prediction. Yeah. I'd agree with that. And I think the last thing is the shift, which I think is probably the most minimal change because I think they can still play yeah. up the middle somewhat and all of that. Mm-hmm. But, yes, like to your point, lefties are probably going to see a bump in average, but obviously three games, four games into the season, we're not going to get that sample size. I mean, Yasmani Grandal already had a bunch of singles between second baseman and first baseman that 100% would have been outs last year. For one, he's Especially, the slowest yeah, runner how ever slow seen. he is. Yeah. But I like it because I think if you smack a ball, you know, and you hit it in a good spot, it should be a base hit. You can't just stack one side of the like, you know. I I get that that's what the analytics said, and it was really effective. Obviously, that's why the league batting yeah. average was so low. So I like it. And one of the things MLB was saying was they want players to show off their athleticism and their like defensive capabilities and stuff. And so guys like Francisco Lindor, or Javi Baez, all these really good defensive shortstops and second basemen and stuff like that are going to be able to show off more range and make cooler plays and stuff like that. And you want highlights, you know, that's how you sell your game. You, you get, you post social media clips, they get views, they get engagements and people are like, Oh my God, you know, look at that catch Hunter run from me. And I know that's not a shift one, but uh, yeah. that's uh <laughs> it's just like plays like that get, eyeballs on the game and that's good for baseball in the long run you just want more people to watch your game and so if you give defenders the capability to be able to really show off their talent it'll it'll create more highlights and draw more people in yeah i was just gonna say i mean i'm someone who loves to watch on youtube defensive highlights like them making those sliding mm-hmm. plays you know throwing across their mm-hmm. bodies dance we had a couple of good ones so it's all oh, oh yeah the saturday oh. was it was oh, tight. beautiful that one was beautiful. sick yeah so, yeah, like Eric said, I think it'll be good for the game. You know, these guys showing their athleticism. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Um, cool. Well, we're going to go to this last little guy, the hot potato segment, as I called it. We're going to, and this one, kind of a draft like everybody's doing because the world needed more podcasts and dudes <laughs> drafting things. So, this one is going to be where you are tasked with making the worst dinner table out of three major leaguers and we're going to do a draft format you get one pick per round you get three rounds you're in the dinner table you uh have to you're trying to make the worst dinner table to sit at with current active mlb players so i will start we'll start with eric and then we'll go steven then i'll bring it up last well i was gonna say um trevor bauer but i don't think he's technically a current major league player (laughs) he is NPB. Yeah. Uh, women of Japan, watch out for Trevor Bauer. Um, 
So with my first pick, since I can't pick uh, Bauer, I'm going to take Josh Donaldson <laughs> because I think Donaldson Ooh. gives off a real cop energy. And he just seems like somebody who I would be really nervous about, like anything I would say, because he'd be like, well, actually, bucko, you know. And so I just think he's kind of a hardo that I um, don't think would fit my vibe. So I'm going to take Josh Donaldson first. Solid pick. Zanino. Um, I think I am going to go with Marcelo Zuna. I mean, it's crazy to me how this man is still playing on a team. <laughs> what, what, what was that thing? Got no punishment. He, he, what, he like beat his wife? That's insane. Shot a gun at his yeah. wife or something. Like, and, something bad. Yeah, and it's still insane to me how this man is still playing. I mean, at Addison Russell who was in like a altercation with his wife. He was suspended by the league and stuff, and he was kind of shipped right. off. Yeah, he was shipped yeah. off. He, I think he plays in the Mexico League now. But does he? Yeah. And that said, I have no objections to how Addison <laughs> Russell was. Oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm just saying if that's the case, <laughs> you do something bad, you get right, If that's yeah. the case, then why is Marcelo Zuna still right? Marcelo Zuna did get. Like, yeah, he got suspended for like yeah, 20 yeah. games, and that was and, it. And, and a DUI. It's like, yeah, Stephen. Hopefully, you guys call an Uber. Yeah, no, definitely <laughs> yeah, don't want to be in it. <laughs> yeah. All right, awesome. George. Well, that that is a good pick. I'm gonna keep in the um, on the Yankees organization. Go with Garrett Cole. Mm-hmm. Um, he seems not really fun. Uh, <laughs> you know me. Not. I'm real sarcastic. I mean, we bust each other's balls all the time. I feel like if I went after Garrett Cole. That would not end well. And he'd be like, well, you know, like, actually, my hair is, you know, I put product in it, you know. For Pete's sake, sake, man. (laughs) My steak's underdone. Uh, You know, I think just overall it'd be, uh, he seems like a send it back, refund me, even though I have a $300 million contract type of guy, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So I'm taking uh, Garrett Cole here. Eric, here. We got Um, sitting next to Donaldson. (laughs) So I'm going to go with actually a guy on my own team. Um, I look at this guy and I just think he stinks. I'm going to go with Mike Clevenger. He just looks like a guy who would smell bad. Um, and and his Instagram captions on his posts are like the weird oh kind of Cam Newton writing, you know. And he just seems like a guy who like wants to be like a hippie, you know. He's like trying to give off that <laughs> vibe. But I like he do- looks like he doesn't shower like a hippie. Like, I don't, he just does not give me a vibe of someone I'd want to, you know, be boys with. And I think he would literally make me like hold my nose. <laughs> I don't know. I just, he looks like he stinks. I'm just saying. Yeah. Not, that dinner's going to have to be all vegan or whatever. Him yeah, exactly. Gonna like, get in an argument. Yeah. Fair. I don't know if he's vegan or not, but he looks like a vegan. He looks like a vegan. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got Stevie. I think I'm going to go another person who had, you know, allegations with the whole assault thing. I'm going with Aroldis Chapman. Um, yeah, Thankful that he won us a World Series, by the way. But um, almost lost your almost lost us. But other than that, (laughs) he just seems like a guy. Like if you look at him, like he kind of scares you, man. Like if I'm sitting in a crossroom, I feel like I'd be so scared. I'm already like somewhat of a nervous person. So like if he's in there at at dinner, like I'd feel like I would be too afraid to talk. And he'd want to tell you about all his tattoos. Yeah. Like did you see this off season? He got. uh, sick from a tattoo infection. I did not see that. Wow, that's mm, that's right. yeah, that's yeah. right. He got a, a tattoo infected. He seems like the kind of guy who'd be like, "Yeah, and this one's like about my mother, and it's you know like three girls making out, you know." 
He seemed like he'd be that kind of guy. I, I like that pick. No, that's fair. Yeah, um, yeah Steven's got a pretty uh, dangerous yeah. table. Yeah, dangerous squad, dangerous yeah. Watch out. Steven's just... Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, that was great, yeah. But um, Garrett Cole, I'm, I'm going to... Because I'm drawing a blank here. I might... I'm between Goldschmidt and Arenado, but I'm going to stick with Goldschmidt because I just think he is a robot. That'd be like Man, having dinner with your dad. It's not a bad thing. I like having but dinner I, with my dad. I, I love like, my dad. I would have yeah. a better time with my dad than Goldschmidt. Goldschmidt is like someone else. Goldschmidt's having dinner with dad. Goldschmidt's like a, you just cheated on your girlfriend and now it's time to go meet the dad who doesn't know yet. Mm-hmm. It's something like that where you're just like, Goldschmidt's like the dad who wears like Patagonia. You know, he wears like the the vests and whatever. Like, and he <laughs> talked to you about like his crypto. I, I feel like that'd be Goldschmidt's vibe. You know, the like the trying to be like really cool dad who's also kind of a nerd. And I kind of like that pick. It'd be weird. We, weird. To yeah. No, I think it'd be yeah. Him and Garrett Cole, just two person. Garrett Cole's like, oh, you know, I try with my fastball and this and that. And Goldschmidt's just <laughs> saying nothing. Just off, good point, Garrett. Off in space. Yeah. No, it was really good. Good point. <laughs> so that's my number two. Nice. I like it. Uh, I like it. I like it too. All right. Is this my last one? Are we doing three or are we doing four? Yeah. It's you and then three others at the okay. table. Okay. Um, I'm going to take someone here who I also just don't really like his vibe. Um, and also, I don't trust him to stand up without getting hurt. And that's Carlos Correa. Um, I just remember his response after the Astros cheating scandal mm-hmm. came out. And he was so defensive and, like, combative. You know, he was like, we didn't do anything wrong. We didn't do anything wrong. And then the whole Joe Kelly thing happened where he's like, what? So you struck me out. Like, I could have hit a home run. It's like, well, you didn't. You struck out. Like, get out of here, Carlos Correa. And um, he also might just break his leg at the table since apparently he has the worst, you know, x-ray in the history of baseball. Yeah, he's got, like, cystic fibro. <laughs> no, that's for your lungs. I'm an idiot. Whatever they call it for where yeah. your bones are broken. Planner fasciitis. I think that's a foot thing. But, yeah, he just, uh, again, gives off that energy of, like, a guy who I would not be able to, like, be chill and be myself around. I feel like I'd have to have my guard up because he's... He's always, like, trying a, to one-up you. You'd be like, yeah, oh, I, you just, know... I'm a, you know, I just bought the new, you know, Toyota Camry. It's like, yeah, well, I got the Lexus. Right, right. No, he'd get a Tesla. Okay, Carlos, sick, man. Yeah, and also a guy who would be telling me about his tattoos a lot. And I'm just, you know, I'm good. I'm good on that. Yeah, him and Altuve love love talking about their tats. Oh, no. Doesn't help that he's a twin now, right? (laughs) Yeah, that also does not help, no. But I took a White Sox, so it wasn't too biased. Because Josh Donaldson is also also a little bit of bias in the Josh Donaldson pick. But I think it's fair enough. All right, uh, my third pick, and I'm just gonna pick this guy specifically because of this moment, and I'm and just kind of like my other two guys being there. I'm picking Jared Hughes. You guys all know who that was. If you've seen the John Boy video, he's that one oh, uh, right. pitcher out of the bullpen that came just like running around like all goofy, and then G- JT Rumuto is just like really like. This guy. This guy yeah. And so I picked him because I feel like in my table with Chapman and Ozuna, this guy would just, those guys would be totally pissed off this goofball. And it was just great. He's the guy who yeah. always takes his uh, team picture and he's always like, Yeah, he's just a weirdo. He's oh just God. a weirdo. And so, he is a weirdo. I, I, yeah, I think that'd be. Your vibes are off at yeah, that oh dinner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's. <laughs> he's like trying to be like, hey, guys, you know. Crazy how you know, and then they're just like uh, Jerry's like, the guy who brings the coke. Everyone else, is like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It's like, all right, man. We're at Chuck E. Cheese, bro. Come on. <laughs> bro. This is a park, dude. Come on now. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> huh. All right, George. My who's last your last pick? One? I feel like I should have been thinking while you were talking, but uh, last pick. Uh, I'm going to go, even though he's dope and I kind of like his vibe, I'm going to go Amir Garrett. Mm. Because uh, with those two at that table... And Garrett's seem, t- seemingly his temperament, you know, and getting in a fight with the Pirates. And if Garrett Cole has any loyalty to the Pirates, yeah. something's going to fall. I'm sure not. he doesn't. <laughs> he has zero loyalty to the Pirates. <laughs> he probably forgot yeah, they existed. So, and honestly, I think Garrett Cole probably doesn't remember the Pirates exist. That's my guess. He's a very true. But yeah, I'm going to say Amir Garrett. He's a cool guy. He's like got his head on straight and he's pretty straight up. Like him and Baez, you know, he's like. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to let you know. <laughs> yeah, the sweep thing. I'm going to let you know, if, but if uh, he hits him, so that makes sense. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's more of a Steven pick where I'm like, I'm very respectful, no sarcasm, yeah. which for me would be a very hard dinner. <laughs> I got yeah. two guys who I can't be sarcastic with and then one guy who's just loopy off in space, so... I think that would uh, round out my uh, terrible table. I like that. Do we want to throw? And I'm sure we'll put this up on the gram and have people vote on it after I throw some good graphics in. But I think that does it uh, for the Beanball uh, episode one, gentlemen. Any final thoughts? Uh, No, I think uh, you know this season's going to be an exciting one. I think overall baseball is on the rise. You know. You got more. I feel like more people, general casual fans, are getting more into baseball, and uh, we're just trying to, you know, join the ride. You know, try mm-hmm. to spread baseball as much as we can. Uh, Masataka Yoshida hit his first home run while we were recording, so it's pretty dope. Uh, shout out Team Japan, WBC. Um, I missed it. I, like I love Major League Baseball. I missed the WBC. I think that's that tournament was just you know the best for baseball. Um, but I'm super excited to see how this season goes. I'm grateful to just have baseball on every night. You know, it's just always there and some, uh, uh, just something to do every night, every day, every night kind of thing there. It's like, all right, like I'm eating dinner. There's a Sox game or there's, you know, whatever game. And, um, shout out to T-Mobile for the free MLB TV. Cause even if the Sox aren't playing, I can go <laughs> turn on, you know, the Yankees game or whatever. And I'm just excited to have baseball back in our lives again. I just, it's, you know, it's six months, um, dominates the summer. It just, it feels like spring and summer are coming when baseball come. And I love baseball and I'm excited that it's back. Good times. Indeed. I will echo your point about the WBC. We won't go into it because that, our opinion, I think is the shared one of it was a great event. Everyone who's complaining about Edwin Diaz and people getting hurt, that would have happened in spring training anyway. That was just I know Edwin Diaz was celebrating, (laughs) but whatever that is. If, and who really cares? I don't play for the Mets. The people don't play. I know you're a fan. Who really cares? The Mets were going to choke it Diaz anyway. Diaz chose to play them, WBC. Like, it was his call. Nah. Yeah, and if Mike Trout is like, dude, what are we doing here? This is great. Then I think we should listen. And, like, Shohei-Trout matchup, we're not going to get that literally anywhere else. So well, when Shohei that's, beats uh, us here. Yeah. They so, had, uh, at the Astros game, they had Jose Altuve had his thumb cast on the whole weekend. I was like, people forget he got injured in the WBC, too. I want to talk about Diaz, but Altuve got, broke his thumb because uh, Oh, yeah, Barr final point. Caught the we have got to stop with people getting injured and hanging their jerseys. 
Yes. <laughs> like when <laughs> Eloy went down or whatever, they're still alive. It's okay. He'll be back. You know, like, I swear he'll be back. Yeah, Diaz popped an ACL, which is terribly tragic. I know what a year-long, mm-hmm. you know, injury is like. Nobody was hanging my jersey in the dugout. I was, like, I was right there. <laughs> You're like, hey, guys, I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, also on that note, shout out Liam Hendricks. He announced today that he was having his last round of chemo. Hey, Great news. That's awesome. Uh, we that's want to awesome. see him back sooner rather than later. Uh, the Sox didn't put him on the 60-day IL, which probably means he's going to come back hopefully sometime in May. We'll see. Um, but, you know, shout out to him for hopefully finishing off beating cancer. Knock on wood. Yeah. Man. Awesome. Yeah, blow out some air drums too while you're at it. <laughs> but, no, uh, yeah, we wish him all the best. And, uh that should just about do it. Um, follow us on the socials. Socials had a stroke there. They'll be in the show notes or on uh, the whatever they call that thing under the YouTube video. What do they call that? Description, Description box. Yeah. Description. <laughs> Fifty-six minutes of radio got me messed up. But on that note, uh, gentlemen, you have a good rest of your day, and anyone listening, you have a good day as well. So, peacey weezies. White Sox. This is a George Sherman Media Production. <laughs>